0: i to make sure I don't have to change the message. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, we pray that as you have brought us here, God, that you will speak directly to our hearts. God, I pray for those people that are here this morning, that they would hear this message, go down to their spirits. Praise and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, before we get into the scripture, I'd like to welcome all the people that are watching online. Um, I know some of you I haven't seen in a while. I miss you. I love you. This is still your church. I'm still your pastor. I'm waiting for you to come back and I look forward to seeing you soon, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook. Um, we love you deeply, and um, I know for some of you it's been a while, but I want to make sure that you know that uh, even though we may not see each other, our hearts are still knit together, and I love you. Um, as you are watching online and as you're here today, I need you all to realize that God has you here for today. Yes. Yes. You got to believe it, man. You just do, okay? Because sometimes people will show up to church on a certain day, and they're like, man, why was that message that day? Because God needed you to be here to hear it. You weren't here last, well, some of you were, but you know, you weren't here last week, next week, whatever. This is the message. This is what we're talking about. And it's for you. Matthew chapter five, verses 31 through 32. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason, except sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Now I preached a sermon uh, many years ago. It was probably about like four years ago called God Hates Divorce. And I encourage you to listen to that message if you haven't heard it already. Many of you have. Um, I didn't want to re-preach that message this morning because I felt as though, and I prayed about it, I wanted to uh, simply because it's a whole, it would have made my week a whole lot easier to just re-preach a message that I already written than have to write something new. But the Lord said, no, uh, I don't want you to preach that this week. And so <laughs> I encourage you If you want to know the ins and outs of the hows and the whys and the what's, the exception clauses of divorces and those type of things, we went into it in depth. So I I highly encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was a great message. Um, uh, It's just not what we're talking about today because the Lord didn't free me to be able to do that. I want to start off by saying that I am a child of divorce. Uh, I was raised by a single mom. Uh, My parents got divorced when I was three years old. So I understand divorce very clearly, uh, being raised that way. Um, Also, my my wife, uh, she was divorced before we met. Uh, She got married when she was 18, before she was saved. She married some guy. He ended up being a cheater and a beater. She left him. And then a few uh, short while after that, she got saved and we met. I had never been married before. And so I don't want you to think, as I'm talking about marriage and divorce, that for those, many of you know this testimony because you've been here, but for those of you that didn't, I don't want you to think that I'm coming from a position of like, oh, he was probably raised by his mom and dad and, you know, he's never experienced divorce. When I when I talk about divorce, I talk about it from a position of understanding the damage that divorce does, okay? Um, uh, divorce is not the unforgivable sin. If you've been divorced, I don't want you to feel condemnation and think, well, I've been divorced, so that means uh it's forgivable. God can forgive you of that. Um, If you're not married today, I also want you to think that like, oh, well, this doesn't apply to me. It applies to you because you're part of a Christian church that loves and supports and defends marriage. Just because I don't have uh, X in my life, like I I wasn't a drug addict, but I can still preach against drugs even though I wasn't a drug addict. So I, I want you, whether you're single or you're married, to really kind of clue in on what we're talking about today, because even if you're single or divorced or a widow or whatever, you still can speak into married lives. Yeah. You can still defend the institution of marriage. Uh, again, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message if you haven't, because it's good. Honestly, you should go back and listen to a lot of the old messages, because a lot of them are really, really good. Uh, if you're looking for more sermons, go listen to them. They're really good. Um, I'm not the decider of divorces. Please don't, please don't think that as your pastor, that it's my my role to decide whether or not you can divorce somebody. It's not. It's God's role and scripture decides what it is. Stay married is the biblical advice. That's the standard. God, God hopes that everybody would get married once and stay married forever. There is such a thing as biblical divorce. Remember that, but you've got to go and listen to that message because again, That's not what we're dealing with this morning. Um, Malachi 2.16 says this, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Our loving God, and he is very loving. There's a few points in scripture where he talks about things that he hates. And one of the things that he hates is divorce. He hates it. It's not something that he likes. And so when we go to talk about divorce, we've got to come from that position of like, this is something that God really, really doesn't like. Yeah. This isn't something that he takes lightly. And so we should not take it lightly either. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't, I don't, what's that sound? Someone opened up a cold one. Um, enjoy your sermon. You know what I mean? It was the twisted T reference from last week. That's (laughs) staying married is the standard. There are minute biblical exceptions that allow it, but do not require divorce. Remember that just because the Bible allows divorce does not mean that God uh, requires divorce. If you've been unbiblically remarried, just ask for forgiveness and stay married. Quit looking for loopholes on how and why you can get divorced. Stay married. If you're single, God can bless you in your singleness. If you're a widow, God can bless you uh, with, with a new spouse. If that's your desire, Um, you can love and support marriage without being married. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, 8, 9, it says, but I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion, support and defend marriage. It's part of who we are as Christians. We've got to support and defend marriage at every turn that we come to. We want to see marriages flourish. You should want to see people be married. Uh, The Bible makes it clear. If you're burning with passion, go and get married to a Christian person. As we walk through this, and this is what I'm asking you this morning. Can we walk through it as adults though? Like, Can you not argue with me as you're hearing this message of all the reasons and the exceptions and all these other things and say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been through. I don't know what you're going through. And I don't know what you've been through. What I do know is what the Bible says about a situation. And so we're just going to preach about it. Let the word speak what it says. So why? (laughs) You know, I'm just saying, man, like I understand that you need Good refreshment, but maybe a bottle that doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Next thing you know, we're having pastrami sandwiches. People are like, here's some good preaching. I don't like to make a law about something, but I mean, one was like, what? Two people in the same like, Well, he did it. Why? Here we go. Right here marriage, divorce. This is why I can't preach without Pastor Jay here. He sees me like, he's like, bring it back in. All right. Why do we fight for the institution of marriage and defend it and hold it in high regard? Why do we do this? Number one is because it was God's design. Marriage was God's design. We did not invent marriage. God was the one that invented marriage. It was his idea. He was the one that came up with it. We live it and we see it, but, but and you think about it, like, if, if you believe the Bible, you believe that God created man. If you believe that God created man, he did it the way that he wanted to do it. We don't believe in evolution. I don't believe that I evolved. I believe that God made Adam out of the dust of the earth, and then he made Eve from his rib. Now, because God is God, and he could have done things however he wanted to do it, he could have just made us anamorphic individuals that didn't need an individual to be able to procreate. And people say, how is that possible? Well, if that's how God had created us, we wouldn't be questioning it. We would all be individuals and we would just be like, God could have made you have a third arm or have an ear growing out of your forehead or whatever. Like God, and we would just think it was normal. You know what I mean? Like I can't hear you say right here, you know, like we would, but God didn't do it that way. God said, you know what? I'm going to make a man and I'm going to make a woman. And this is the way that I want it to be. He invented that Genesis 2:18. When the Lord God said, it's not good that a man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. From the beginning, God looked at Adam and said, you know what? This ain't good for Adam to be alone. He's going to get into problems. He's going to have issues if he doesn't have a wife. Oh, <laughs> Why do some women, the amen, pastor. That's right. Y'all's time is coming. This is a long message. <laughs> Been one of those messages, the women would be like, amen. The Jesus would be like, amen. We'd be like, I'm not sure about that not sure that's godly. We were created for relationship with people. Not, not just in a marriage relationship, just as humans. If you, if you have this mindset of I don't need anybody and I don't want to be around anybody and I'm an, I'm an island to myself, that's unbiblical as a Christian. God wants us to be in relationship. He wants us to be in fellowship. He wants people to live as, uh, as in community. That's what he designs. And so because God designed marriage, we should defend marriage because God knew what he was doing. God knew it. God knew exactly what he was doing when he planned it out. See, studies have shown what God knew all along. Marriages make people happy. They make people live longer. Men have better health when they are married and have more health consequences when they are divorced. Married mothers have a lower rate of depression Married couples have more wealth. They earn more money. Children raised by their own mom and dad are less likely to be poor, more, more likely to stay in school, have less behavioral issues, more likely to earn a four-year degree. They have less depression, less suicide. Boys raised by single moms are more likely to engage in criminal activity and go to prison. Married women are less likely to be victims of violent crime, and married men are less likely to commit them. Those are all statistical truths. And again, I come from a position of I was raised by a single mom, and I know that mom sometimes she watches my sermons. I love you, mom. She did a great job. I mean, clearly, you know what I mean? Like, wow. don't don't think just because you're a single mom you can't produce good kids. And my, and my mom, my mom would say like she lo- she loved me and raised me well, but it wasn't God's ideal. It's possible. And so I don't want to throw condemnation if you're a single parent, like, well, what about us? It's like, you can still talk about the ideal and live outside of the, uh, you know what I mean? It's okay. Genesis 2.24, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Divorce is not God's plan. It's just not. And we don't see divorce a lot in the Bible. We just don't. What we see is a lot of people that do some of the most heinous things and then they still stay married. People sleeping with people that aren't their spouses and people killing people and people doing all these other things. And somehow they work it out after all the lying, the cheating, the stealing and all that other stuff. We don't see divorce. We see people that work it out. Is is, is divorce forgivable? Yes, of course it is. So is murder. But you don't don't run out and do that. Adultery is forgivable too, but don't run out and do that. Just because something's forgivable doesn't mean that you should be doing it. You should say, you know what? I don't want to have to use that. I want to stay married. Wouldn't, wouldn't just being married be better? The truth is, the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Yeah. All you men should have amen to that if you're married. Should have, elbow- amen, baby, that's you. Found a good thing. Guys, help me out here. You know what I mean? There's this subtle us versus them thing that we're, fa- fa- you know... No, no. All joking aside, the the, the the attempts of society to dismantle the nuclear family should be resisted. Yes. It just has to. And that, and that's why people say, "Well, what's the big deal?" The big deal is God created marriage That that societies are better when when people are a a man and a woman married together forever. Society is better and stronger. People say, "What would be the?" People have asked me. Say, "What do you think is the number one thing that would fix America?" We could fix America in one generation if the father stayed in the home. In forty years, you wouldn't have to pass a law. You wouldn't have to do it if the father stayed in the home and raised the children. It would change America in forty years. You would have less crime. You would have less depression. You would have all these other things because kids were raised in families with fathers. Don't, don't, don't tell me that it's not true because it is. So we need to defend the nuclear family. We need to uphold that as God's ideal. Secondly, it's a picture of Christ in the church outside of our own personal happiness and contentment that can be found in marriage. When married people get married and stay married, they show a picture of Christ in the church. My my wife and I are at a point now in our marriage, we've been married now for 23 years. And humbly, I believe that I can now use my marriage as an example to people that wanna know like what a godly marriage looks like you know, you're married for five years and kind of like, I don't know if I'm there yet. Like I'm getting older and I'm at a place now where like, well, you know what? Our marriage isn't perfect. And our marriage isn't like everybody else's marriage. But if you're looking for a marriage, like, well, how can I make it work and honor God? I'm like, well, me and my wife, like th- this is a picture of Christ in the church. I'm fully committed to her. I love her as Christ loves the church. She's fully submitted to me as the leader of the house in the same way that the bride is submitted to Christ as the leader we are Christ's bride. The church is described within scripture as Christ's bride. We submit to Christ as the bridegroom, right? And we, and we're awaiting for him to return for his bride. It's a word picture. And so when God created marriage, he knew this from the beginning of Adam all the way to revelation. And he said, you know what? I want, I'm going to give them a word picture, a daily word picture to show them the love and care that I have for them as my bride read through Ephesians five. See what Paul talks about. He talks about man and wife and submission and love and service and relationship and all that other stuff. And then he drops this huge bomb in Ephesians 5:32. He says, I speak concerning a great mystery, but this is concerning Christ in the church. Yes. I preached a message on that years ago that you should listen to as well. That was a great message. Some people didn't like it, whatever. I liked it. I thought it was real great because I thought it was a word picture of Christ and his church. I mean, I love my wife. Oh my gosh. I wish you guys knew how much I love my wife. She's such a peach. She's the best. I I love her to pieces. And I think about how much I love my wife and it doesn't even come close to how much Christ loves his church at all. And and that I literally would lay down my life for her. Like I would, I would let all y'all burn before I even let her, you know what I mean? I love her that much. And and that's really a picture of Christ in his church where he says, you know what? That's the love that I have for you. I want you to look at a godly relationship and think about me and say, this is the image that I have between you and I, you being my bride, the church. A man is supposed to love his wife as Christ loves the church. And a woman is supposed to submit to her husband as the church submits to Christ. A loving husband would never divorce his wife just as Christ would never divorce his church. I mean, we as his bride, how, how many times have we done him wrong? Not not just faith and victory, just think about the global church. How many times have we, the collective church, turned our backs on him and scandals and, and, and stealing and sexual immorality and all these other things. And, and Christ looks at that broken, busted group of people and says, I still love them. I'm still married to them. I'm still going to I'm still going to come back for them. They're still my bride. I'm not going to give up on them. I'm still going to love them. They might have issues and they might have problems, but I'm going to still love them. I speak concerning a great mystery. Christ and his church. How can I how can a godly man divorce his wife and say that I'm a Christian? How can you say that I'm walking as Christ loves the church? You would you would stop attending this church. If I say, we came in on a Sunday, I say, you know what, guys? We're done with the whole Jesus thing. We found some other guy and it's going to be great. We're divorcing. Jesus hasn't given us what we wanted. And so we're, we're going to divorce him and we're going to find somebody else that's going to give us what I want because we were needing a little bit more. You know what I mean? Y'all take me out in the parking lot and beat me. I hope you do. Stone me to death. We're not going to divorce Christ. He's not going to divorce us. The image of, of Christ and His Church within the marriage relationship is so much deeper than like, oh, you just haven't been getting along lately. Come on. Come on. I don't know what happened. We just kind of fell out of love.
1: Come
0: on. Revelation twenty one two. Then I John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This word picture of Christ and his bride for the church is so important. It really, like the, the marriage relationship shows so much to the world, what it looks like to be a Christian in relationship and that we are submitted to Christ and that we are awaiting him and that we walk through these relationship issues. All of it just shows a beautiful, beautiful picture. See, when, when married people work it out and they stay together, they they defend marriage. Yeah. It says to the unbeliever, I am committed to this relationship no matter what happens. I'm committed to them when we have problems. We have good weeks and bad weeks and good years and bad years. I'm going to stay with them. You say, how can you stay? Because I have a savior that stayed with me. I have a savior that loved me. I had a savior that forgave me. I did him wrong and he still loves me and he still wants to be in relationship with me. And then we might be going through something, but I don't care. I'm not giving up on her. She's my bride and I love her. And I get it man you can get a divorce I've seen people people listen to my preaching they still just do whatever they want anyway. you say oh you're controlling no I'm really I'm not it's very clear how uncontrolling I actually am because people just I've told people don't get divorced and they just go do it anyway you can go find new friends and tell them lies on the reasons why you got divorced but God's design is to stay together and work it out what a design is, man, and it takes it takes time, man. It takes time to have a good marriage. It just does. You just got to work it out. Second Corinthians eleven two. For I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I have betrothed to you one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That's a word picture of Christ and His Church. Isaiah fifty four five. For your Maker is your husband. The Lord of Hosts is His name. Revelation 19, 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Don't tell me God doesn't care about marriage. Don't say that it's not central to the expression of who we are as Christian people. It's just not. Here's here's another part about marriage is that marriage protects you. It really does protect you. And now now I'm I'm not trying to say these things because I want to grandstand my wife. I'm saying that because they are true and I want you to see a word picture of a marriage that's been together for 23 years, okay? I would not be the man that I am today without my wife in my life. I would not. She has helped me grow into the man I am today. She really is. (laughs) Yeah. She has protected me from all manner of sin. She has protected me from making bad decisions. Oh. I, I pray and I hope that I have helped her as well, but I know that she has helped me. Amen. She has protected my witness. She has helped me to honor God. She has kept me from sin. Yeah. First Corinthians 7, 1 Corinthians 7.1, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Glory to God. Y'all know what that scripture is talking about, right? Yeah. Why do y'all all of us, all the married people are like, my wife has kept me from sin. Yeah. Amen. Now, listen, if you don't like adult church, then don't come to adult church, but does this is tell you how it is. Amen. Like Chris Rock said, he said, sometimes Papa needs medicine and Papa don't get medicine. He can go down to a different pharmacy. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs>
0: you guys are married, right? It's what God designed in marriage. It's what God designed. He said, you know what? I know how people are. I know what's going to happen. So I'm going to create a relationship where they can satisfy the needs of the flesh. That's going to keep them from sin. So they don't fall into immorality and not make heaven. It's a thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I finally have one witness. Thank you. I mean, look at how much the world focuses on the flesh, man. It's everywhere. Anybody that thinks that we don't live in an overly sexualized nation has not been paying attention. They use it to sell us. Oh, man, they want to sell us an automobile. Make it sexy. Oh, you've got to try this floor cleaner. Look at how sexy it is. Because it's innate in who we are. I don't know why I like this floor scrubber, but I sure do. They, they pray and play on our innate desires. God knows how he created us. He know what we need. And so God said, you want, I'm going to make a relationship where those things can happen because it will protect you. It will help you. It will keep you focused. And God knew this before the foundations of the earth. And he says, get married and find what you need in that relationship. Find what you need in that relationship. And God encourages it for you yeah. in your marriage. Yeah. It's, it's it's good. Like it's designed. I don't know why everybody's like, all of a sudden he's like, not us. There's book, Dude, there's a whole book about it. There's, there's Song book. of Solomon. I will climb that tree. I will take hold of its fruit. You know what I mean? Jeez, man. just saying it's Bible. It's good preaching. preaching. First Corinthians seven. Is it hot in here? I was like, this is, this is where it got hot. Yeah. First service. I'm like, I'm sweating. The Bible says in first Corinthians seven, five, do not deprive one another, except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I know about a lack of self-control. I know about that. And I know that the marriage bed is a tool to help it. And this is adult talk, but all I preach is truth. I'll tell you, man, the, 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 the guideline that me and Crystal have talked about with years is that most guys, 72 hours, if not just minds go crazy. It's like, come on, you know what I'm saying? Like help a brother out. I'm not saying it's a law. I'm just saying, like, help somebody out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> some of y'all, some of the guys are just like, man, praise God! I love this church. Pastor to thank you so much. <laughs> but you know what happens is that, like, I literally, I'll get into marriage counseling. I'm like, so how long? They're like, it's been like a couple months. I'm like, months? you've been eating, right? <laughs> Breathing. Like, I mean, and some, some of y'all, and I know, and it's sad, but some of y'all, it's been like a year. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, man. You're just opening up the door for Satan. Like yeah. you're just like, God gave you that gift. And he's like, I don't care. Well, just get back to it. And if, if you have women talk to Chris, don't talk to me about it. Talk to Crystal about it. Yeah. If you're like women, like, I don't understand what he's saying. Like, talk to Crystal. She'll explain it to you. I do not, do not talk to me. Don't, I don't, I don't want to hear nothing about nothing. Ecclesi- Ecclesiastes, let me show you this, what it says in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter four, gosh, my, I can't even move my hands. Jeez. Song of Solomon found that one. Jeez. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine. Are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has known to help him up again. If the two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Man, two are better than one. Man, we can walk together. We can be together. We can defend each other as we walk through this life t- together. I, I've 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 walked through a lot of stuff in this life. I really have, and and my wife has been there with me, walking through it with me, and and she she's really my best friend. Uh, she's walked with me through so many different things. We talk about everything. And we're always on the same page. We always are. Except for this Thursday when we got in a fight in the middle of me trying to write a marriage sermon. Um... <laughs> so dumb. Like Satan is such a liar. It's like, I'm like, today is sermon prep. Morning, fight all day long. Ugh. I almost re-preached that other sermon just because I did. I'm like, I'm not going to preach that. I'm... And it was over, it was over something dumb. It just was, we got over it, but we, we live on the same page. And as your pastors, we, we love you, but we love each other even more. I care more about her than I care about any one of y'all. I care about her more than I care about being a pastor or I care about being in this church. I just do. And as we've walked through stuff uh, throughout the years, we've said to each other, like, man, can you imagine if we didn't have a good marriage? Can you, can you imagine like when, when the world's coming down on us and, and we, we literally like we'll lay in bed crying and we remind each other like, you know, we started with just us. We started with just us and, and, and that's just how, how we have to remind ourselves. And so marriage gives you a source of strength to be able to just deal with what the world deals with. The world has enough problems without having to create relationship problems inside of your own home. We work on our marriage together. We talk about, God, oh, we talk so much. It's just incessant the amount of talking that we do, you know. And we 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 talk about divorce existentially, and 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 we're never gonna get we're never gonna get divorced. Uh, but we we've said like, oh, you know, even if one of us died and we had to get remarried or whatever, I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like I could not tell my stories all over again to somebody else. Like, <laughs> gosh, I just don't want to go through it again. I just don't want to talk through it all. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 31 through 22, let's bring it up here again. Furthermore, it's been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Now, we talked about adultery last week. If you missed that message, I encourage you to do it. Any sex outside of marriage is considered adultery, and you're going to go to hell for having sex outside of marriage. That's what the Bible said last week. But um, let's, let's go through um, how to have great relationships is the, the second part of this message. Now, it's how to have great relationships, but it's also like how to not get divorced. Now, young people, I, I like talking to the young people. Young people, look at me because I know you've been sitting in here with your parents. You're all looking at me. All right, young people, kids, you're looking at your pastor. Pay attention because I'm talking to you. Are you ready? If you want a successful marriage, this right here is the number one thing that you need to get for a successful marriage. Are you ready? You ready to hear it? marry the right person. Okay. If you marry the wrong person, you are going to have a horrible life. Do not marry the wrong person. You marry the wrong person. You are set up for destruction. Now, who is the wrong person? The wrong person is somebody who is not a Christian. Okay? If they are not a Christian, do not marry them. Don't talk to them. Don't be friends with them on social media. Don't date them. Don't have anything to do with these kids at all. Say, so you know what? I'm a blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ. I'm waiting for my perfect mate, and it's not you. They are not going to become a Christian because you married them. They're not. It's just not if it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen. And you're going to live a life of misery because you said, well, he, he was real nice or she was real pretty. And, and I thought maybe we just have, it. you're not. Yep. Yep. If you value Christianity and you value your relationship with Jesus, you've got to marry the right person. Amen. If they don't have any friends, don't marry them. Yeah. And if they have some story of like, well, no one really ever stood me and no one ever really loved me. There's a reason. And people say, "Well, that's well, that's ru-. listen. They should at least be able to have one friend before they meet you." Yeah. Yeah. And people say, "Well, you know," and then there's always the same line. Well, no one's ever really loved me, and nobody has ever understood me. You've got a trail of broken relationships, and this goes for everybody. If you can't find another person to externally validate somebody's character, run. Right? You think, you think about like, there's men that attend this church that have been single for years. And they're here, they're attending church that some of them want to get married, some don't. But they're, they're anxiously waiting for, for a bride. And they've been faithful, man. They're here on Wednesdays, they're here on Sundays, they serve God, they live clean lives. And if some woman comes in and says, tell me about brother so-and-so, man, he is a good brother. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we love this brother, man. He's been faithful. He treats God's church well. Yeah. Listen, if someone doesn't have a pastor, they ain't a Christian. Yeah. They're just not. And I've seen it, man. I've seen it throughout the years. Men and women alike. They come in like, oh, man, and I'm a Christian. And and then, there's, and then they get married and shh, never see him again. Yeah. Yeah. telling some sort of lies. Get somebody to marry him. And then there's gonzo. Yeah. Do not marry them. And don't marry a jerk that calls himself a Christian. Yeah. Oh, man. There's all manner of unsaved people that live in the church. I'm like, oh, I was raised in the church. Well, you ain't got saved. Yeah. Yeah. It's because you go to Burger King does not make you the whopper. You know what I mean? Yeah. The thing is, is that if someone goes to the gym and they say, I'm going to work out, they'll come back and then they'll smell because yeah. they worked out. They don't smell. They didn't work out because I don't smell. listen. If you worked out good enough, there'll be sweat drip. that will be some little bit of stink. You know what I mean? Christianity is the same way you can smell it on somebody. Like you don't have to explain like, well, I went to the gym. Like you can see, like they went to the gym. Christianity is the same way. You're like, man, this person's saved, man. This person loves God. They've been in church. You can see it on them. Well, said, well, what if I'm married wrong? Well, you pray and you make them right. You're in it now. You can't get out of it now. But before you're married, you, you I don't care how long you've been or whatever. It's like, you would be much better off to just have a fresh start. Like, don't even try to do it. Don't even do it at all. People say, well, you don't understand. I understand the word of God understand the word of God. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness. Why? Oh man, why would you like literally I've been pastoring for 17 years, been saved for 30 years. I mean, there's not many areas in my life that I would say that I'm an expert, but I'm an expert on relationships. I really am. And I I don't mean that. uh, I just, I, I just, that's what I do, man. And someone says, well, you know, you don't understand people like, okay, I did mental health, I have a psychology degree, I did mental health for six years, and I've spent the last 17 years preaching, defending, and talking to people about marriage. And then someone goes, what do you think about this one? And I'm like, dude, no. Well, you're trying to control me. T- no, that's my opinion, man. If I went to an- if I-, I-, I, if I went to go buy a car, I take it to an auto mechanic, he's like, listen, dude, you do not want this thing. Oh, it looks so pretty, and we can do it. No, no, no. Just buy Japanese. Don't buy that one. Just- <laughs> Just get a Toyota. I'll never see you again. It's like, why, why do people, they don't want to trust the experts. They just don't. They want to make it up on their own. Here's the second part of it. If you want to, oh, here's the second part of it. Are you good? She's going to listen to it the second time. And she's like, keep it going. Amen. Second part of it. If you want good relationships, get saved. Amen. Fall in love with Jesus. Don't expect to be able to have a great marriage if you're not born again. You cannot do marriage on your own strength. That's right. Ask me how I know. You just can't. You just can't. None of us can. We we all need to be born again. John 3, 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. I'm not talking about just agreeing to Christianity. I'm not talking about just like, oh, well, I like church or, you know, I'll give up 90 minutes because I want my kids to grow up in the church. And hopefully if I can keep them from smoking weed and getting pregnant, then they're going to become Christians. So I'll just put it on the youth group and, you know, maybe things will turn out well. No, I'm talking about born again. I'm talking about from dead to life. I'm talking about new creation. I'm talking about in love with Jesus, full on zeal, filled with the zeal of the Lord. Get born again and saved. And if you're struggling in your marriage, you mean, am I saved? Have I been born? Because here's what happens when you get born again. You look at life differently. You look at life differently. If you've experienced forgiveness, you're easier to give forgiveness than to just think that like, well, I'm better than somebody else is. No, you've been born again. You're a new creation. You cannot be a forgiving person if you have not experienced forgiveness forgiveness. I'll be honest, man. If you're not a forgiving person, I question your salvation. You're judging me in your heart. I am hundred percent. I wonder like, how saved are they? Cause I know that like most people that I know that have been saved could forgive quickly because they realize how depraved they were. They know how much they needed a savior. And then they have this moment in their mind. Like, man, what am I doing? Like, why am I holding them to a higher standard than I hold myself? I don't, I don't deserve what this person has done to me, but God forgave me when I did wrong. And so I'm going to forgive other people. Oh, I encourage you to be born again. I encourage you to become a new creation, man. It's the best ever. Now here's, here's another part of it. If you want a good relationship and a good marriage, expect less, yeah. expect less. You should just be happy that someone said Yes. <laughs> I mean, really, like some, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know how it was for you, but when she was interested, I was like, she said, that's why I married her. I met and married her in four months time. My mom said, why are you getting married so fast? I said, so she doesn't change her mind. She's convinced I'm the one making 600 bucks a month living in the barracks. I ain't got a car, nothing, but she said I'm the one. Let's get a ring on the finger. And then all of a sudden you're married for a few months and you got demands. I don't eat bread with raisins in it. What, what is this trash you've brought before me? See, the problem with my marriage, and I don't know if this will ring true with anybody else, but um, I, uh, I, I had turned Crystal into an idol. That was part of the problem of our marriage is that, and it took me many years to figure this out. And I, I've said this before, like it took me about 10 years to finally understand Crystal and understand our marriage. 15 years, it got really good. At 20, man, we're smoking. It's awesome. Not literally, but you know what I'm saying. And, um,
1: <laughs>
0: but I had turned Crystal into an idol. I, I had worshiped at the altar of romantic completeness. I had worshiped at the altar of romantic completeness. And what I had done is I had put Crystal in this place where I'm like, well, it's your job to meet my needs and it's your job to fulfill all my desires and you're supposed to be perfect and I'm not. That's idolatry. Yeah. It's idolatry. And, and, and all of a sudden when I realized like, and I tell you, man, it's all lies. We all like kind of tell each other like, oh, we got it all together. And then you get married and you're like, oh my gosh, you're just as broken as I am. Like what happened? Did anybody else wake up to that reality too? dang it, I thought she was perfect. And then I was like, she thought I was perfect. And uh. Romans twelve three says, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Yeah. Quit thinking you're all that in a bag of chips in your marriage, man. You're just not. Yeah, man. We think we're perfect. You we know, are getting this idea of like, man, I am so perfect and they're just wrong. I am so very good and they're so very bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and this just creates problems in your marriage. Start with you're wrong. Yeah. Start with you're not good enough. Start with you have issues. Don't start with well. If they would do this, how about if you did what you were supposed to do? Then what it was. The, the truth is, man, my my wife is ten times the person I am. She really is. I am a, I'm a depraved, wicked soul that needed a savior, and 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 I don't I don't say that in jest. Like when I sit and I and I think about my wife, and, I, and I'm not trying to grandstand on it. And as much as I want to display to you guys, like. I don't think that I really don't deserve my wife. She's a peach. Like, she's just wonderful. Um, And so when we fight, I think more about how how wicked I am and less about how she messed up about something. Because most of what we fight about, again, it's something dumb. It's nothing nefarious. But because our minds are twisted and we're selfish, we're just like, well, you know, I did this and she didn't do that and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, hold on a second. I'm depraved. I'm a sinner. I needed a savior. God forgave me and she's precious and she's loving and I'm just not and so baby, I'm sorry. Can we make up? You got to forgive more than you should. See, all, all the scriptures about forgiveness apply to marriage. All the scriptures about forgiveness apply to marriage. See, Christians talk about loving their enemies. They say, oh, I can forgive a murderer. I can forgive a rapist. And I'm like, but you can't forgive your husband saying an offhanded comment about a pair of pants that you wore? You shouldn't have asked. Like when you ask, like, how does it look? You knew, like, well, if you don't like what well, you shouldn't. A wife should be able to forgive a man that repeatedly leaves out his underwear. Again, I'm just throwing these generalities out. They just, you've been forgiven, forgive people. Let them grow, man. You don't need to be someone's Holy Ghost. Every scripture about forgiveness applies to marriage. Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those that persecute you. And then all of a sudden we just can't forgive our spouses for something that just went wrong that day. Oh my gosh, it's so much work to hold a grudge. So much work to stay in a fight. Just like, dude, can we just forgive what was about? I don't remember. Can we just move forward? What do you want for dinner? It's fine. Let's just move forward. But how long, pastor? How long do I have to put up with it? Matthew 18, 22. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Okay. So 70 times 70, that's 490. Pastor, I'm at 489. I got one more and then I'm done, right? No, (laughs) just keep forgiving. Here's a couple more and then we'll get out of here. Quick keep and score. Any relationship, marriage, relationship, friendship, where you're keeping score is not going to work out. If you're keeping score in this thing, you're never going to win. Marriage isn't a scorekeeper. Sometimes marriage is 50-50, sometimes it's 73-27, like whatever. It's never just like this equal thing. And so if you're like, well, I did this and they didn't do that. And how come they didn't whatever? It's like, no, dude, you just can't live that way at all. Again, Jesus, if someone asks you to go with them one mile, go with them two miles. Someone asks you for your coat, give them your tunic also. Like all those scriptures that apply in the Bible apply to the marriage relationship as well. We've got to learn to apply them. And then here's another one don't build a case against your spouse. Like, don't. And if you don't understand what I'm saying, it's like, because here's what happens, is that people start to mentally build a case against someone in a relationship. This is how people end up leaving a church, too, is because I say something wrong or do something wrong, and then you just file it away, and then you build this case of like, well, let me tell you, like, this church and this pastor, blah, blah, blah. And then you go around and you tell everybody this case, and was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it was like that. Like, same thing with a marriage relationship. If Crystal was building a case against me, you got, n- m- all the women, would never talk to me ever again. Like, they're like, Seriously? Yeah, like seriously. We've been married for like 23 years, except for the women's event and times when Crystal's gone preaching, I've done a load of laundry like 10 times in like 23 years. I can't believe that. <laughs> some, some men are like, how could I have this power? As far as like... D- as far as like dinners that don't include pizza, pancakes, or ramen, like maybe a dozen over the last 23 years. I just, Crystal does the cooking, like cleaning. It's about the same numbers. And somebody's like, oh really? And he treated you like that for all those years? I can't believe it. Cause I mean, she can build a case against me. She could tell like, and he yelled at the children constantly. Dude, I yell at my kids. Not, not so much, but those kids were, ye- ye- like, <laughs> they were raised on being yelled at. They really were. But they turned out okay. I mean, they're, they're good. They're doing all right. But she could use that stuff as a case. To say like, well, you never know that he didn't do this and didn't that. She runs the checkbook. I, I, I've, like, I've, I've, the same amount of checks that I've written in our marriage. She, she literally, she's the behind the scenes, like, doing it all. She does it all. Maybe he takes such good care of me. But if she wanted to use it against me, she could. And they would, she could be able to tell you, he abuses me because he never does this stuff for me. Like, I'm literally like my wife, <laughs> she's the type of person that, this just happened the other night. I was just like, honey, I want a quesadilla. And she was like, okay. And I was like, can you even put it in chicken and fry it for me? She's like, yeah, no problem. She goes in and just whips up a quesadilla. I'm like, Grr, thanks, eating a quesadilla. Because my wife loves me. She, I'd never made her a quesadilla once. maybe you take such good care of me. I could probably build a case against her if I actually cared, but I don't want to ruin this thing, man. It's going good. Here's the end of it. Then we'll get out of here. Okay. Try to look like the person your spouse married. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Don't be controlling, manipulative, or coercive. Be honest. Be honest about your shortcomings, man. If there's something wrong with you, just be like, dude, this is my problem and I'm sorry. It's gonna keep coming up in our marriage because I've got daddy issues or whatever. Be patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. It keeps no record of wrongs. Just 1 Corinthians 13, read it every day. Keep a budget, man. Like if you're struggling in your marriage and your finances, square away the finances thing. You're amazing how many less arguments you have when you have a couple extra hundred bucks a month to just blow on shoes and ammo or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it just kind of makes things a little bit easier, right? It just does. You can go out to eat and go down to memos or whatever. Keep a clean house. Like if your house is messy, you're going to have a messy family too, because you're around chaos. Like keep your house clean. And then all of a sudden you've got more energy to be able to deal with the chaos in your life. But if you keep a dirty house, what happens is, is that you use the excuse of the chaos of the, oh, we got this to do or whatever. Take care of all that stuff. And then just sit alone and look at each other and then talk and your marriage will get better. Listen more than you speak. Hang out with people who love being married and get advice. Use your marriage as a ministry. Like there's a bunch of people in this church that are married and love each other. And just, and and every marriage is different, but you can be around them and be like, hey man, can we just hang out with you? We need to see what a good marriage looks like. Because there's people like that in this church that want to help you be married and stay married. Amen? I want to end with encouraging you to go and listen to the divorce sermon if you haven't. Uh, It's a great sermon that'll explain to you some of that stuff. And I hope you got something out of this today. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to become one. It's really quite easy if you're a Christian or you are not. Either you're giving your life to Jesus or you haven't. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, I want to be a Christian, today is your day. Today's your opportunity to become a Christian. So if you'd like to become a Christian today, I'd like you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to become a Christian, not agree to a set of ideals. You want to be born again. You want to move from death to life. If you've never made that decision before, raise your hand and we'll pray with you. Is anybody needs to make that decision for the first time today? Maybe you've been far from God and you need to rededicate your life to him. If you need to rededicate your life to Jesus today, would you raise your hand? We'd like to pray for you as well. Now, if you're married this morning, you've been having issues in your marriage, man, just forgive him. Just move forward. I know it's going to be a hard road. Christ forgave you. Use your marriage as a tool to help other marriages. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives, God. We thank you for that word picture of Christ in his church, God. We thank you that you have forgiven us. And Lord, we will submit to you and we will love you as a bride. Father, we pray that we can honor you with our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.